1: We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another exciting Friday edition of the Talking Real Money podcast, where we take your questions. Well, we. <laughs> in this case, it would be the royal we, where we take your questions on the most important matters that affect you financially here on Talking Real Money. And all you have to do to send them in is is uh, get out of this stupid accent and go to TalkingRealMoney.com and then click on the contact button and uh, then I go through them. And you know what I don't do? I don't leave any out. I try to answer them all to the best of my ability. Now, am I always right? No, uh, I'm not. (laughs) I've been wrong a lot. But I try to get you the best answers I can. And uh, it's so easy to do. So just... Drop those questions, speak them into your computer. Oh, and the other thing you can do is on Saturdays, which follows the day I publish every one of these shows, you can call us on our show. We do a show in Seattle that uh, anybody from anywhere can call at 855-935-TALK. You just call that number, 855-935-8255, between noon and 2 Pacific time, 3 to 5 Eastern time and we can actually speak with each other. So a couple of ways to do it. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on the contact form, and then the mic button, or uh, call on Saturdays, 855-935-8255. Now, let's get today's first question underway.
2: Hello, gentlemen. This is Richard New York. I have a question about paying a 1% management fee. I found the XY Planning Network, and they have flat fee fiduciaries in there, and they'll charge maybe $9,000 a year. You pay it quarterly, and it doesn't matter if you have $500 in it or $10 million in it. And basically, looking at all the other CFPs and firms out there, they do the same thing. Tax planning, retirement distributions, they all deal with Dimensional, Vanguard. And I'm having a tough time justifying paying like 1%, $20,000 a year, which is like $4,000 a week. I can't imagine any financial advisor being worth $4,000 a week. They're not going to spend that type of time on it. So, I I don't know. What's your opinion of the XY Planning Network Network online? Um, Just, you know, just looking what's out there. Is everyone going to flat fee model? Because the public is waking up to the 1%. Um, I know there are breakpoints, but still, you know, the breakpoint isn't if it goes down to 0.85. If you have $2 million, you still have to pay the 1% on the first million. So um, if you could address this, it would be greatly
1: appreciated. Thanks. Well, it's hard to have an opinion on XY Network because XY Network is a group of uh, XY Financial Planning. Is a or planning network? I think it's called X Y Planning Network. X Y Planning Network is a uh, whole bunch of different independent advisors who pay to be on the service, and they charge all kinds of different fees. There are flat fees, there are hourly fees, and there are asset under management fees. In fact, I'm looking at one in the uh, area where where uh, Appella's offices are in 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 uh, Washington. And here's a guy who charges $300 an hour and 1% AUM. So you got all kinds of things. And uh, there are all kinds of things that work for all kinds of different people. So it may be better for you. It may not be better for somebody else. It depends on the advisor, what they're going to do for you, and then what they're going to charge you. But you're going to find that the costs for the, for the good the, the best advisors tend to run about the same. As a matter of fact, some of the biggest advisors are way over one. <laughs> I mean, there uh, there's a couple of firms we've worked with that are way over one. I mean, I know Appella, my, my firm, uh, starts at one. However, as you mentioned, there are breakpoints, and our breakpoint goes way down from one to a half a percent. So if you have $2 million, it's 0.75. And uh, that is, uh, in the industry, pretty darn low. It, it, you can probably get something lower, but depends on what you get. So you can get good people on X, Y, and you can get bad people on X, Y, and you can get almost any fee structure. So, yeah, there are a lot of different ways to do it. Do I think we're heading toward flat fees across the industry? No, because um, we've run the numbers. Tom and I ran numbers on hourly. We ran numbers on fixed fees. And with all the incredible costs that this industry – places on advisors. And they can be pretty onerous. The regulatory costs alone, just ridiculous. The amount of work you have to do, the the people you have to have, Uh, we couldn't find a way to make it work and still do some of the educational things we wanted to do. Because yes, the educational things are subsidized by clients. That's how the world works. Anyway, thank you so much for your question. I appreciate it. And now
3: we're going to move on to the next one. Hi, Tom and Don. Um, My question is regarding the new Vanguard um, bond fund core active manage. Um, I'm thinking about converting my total bond market to uh, this core bond active management by Vanguard. Thank you very much.
1: Well, this Vanguard core actively managed fund, which is V-C-O-R-X, is a new fund, and it has two things going against it. Two. One, it's actively managed. And we don't believe that active management is worth the money you pay for it. And two, the money you pay for it. If we compare this fairly, VCORX, with VBTLX, which is the Vanguard Total Bond Index Fund Admiral Shares, You'll see that the total bond index admiral shares charge 25 percent of what the active fund charges. The active fund charges 0.2. the index fund charges 0.05. So that's a dramatic reduction, although it's not going to make it's not going to make a big difference in yield. But with a bond fund, a big difference is a big difference. Now, the only thing that Core X has going for it is the fact that it's new. You see, its yield is higher by almost one, a little less than one percent because it's new. It doesn't have the baggage that VBTLX has in that it is carrying bonds in the portfolio that haven't matured because it's got to reflect the index and have lower yields. So, the, But vCorex is able to buy all the newer issues, which have the new higher yield since interest rates have gone up in the past year or so. Uh, that means they pay a little more right now, but do I expect that to continue into the future? No, I, I don't, because I don't believe active can, in most cases, unless they just get lucky, beat passive. So would I change? Nope. Matter of fact, do I own BND? BND, the ETF version. I'm not going to change, Um, and I don't think you should either. Don't follow the latest hot story. One of the things that gets us in more trouble than anything else, one of the things, maybe the number one thing, is listening to and reading the financial press. It is bad for your fiscal health. But thanks for the call and the question that you sent in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Or you can call in on Saturdays to Talking Real Money, the radio show at 855-935-TALK. But let's go to the next
0: one. Hi, Don and Tom. This is Mike from Minnesota. I'm a longtime listener, but this is the first time I'm submitting a question for your help. My question today is about flexible premium deferred annuities. My girlfriend's father recently transferred ownership of a flexible premium deferred annuity to my girlfriend and her two sisters. The total value of this annuity is about $1.2 million, so about $400,000 each. My girlfriend is 60 years old. My girlfriend and her two sisters are going to be meeting with their father's financial planner so he can explain the details of this annuity. I should note that her father has had this annuity for over 10 years, but just recently transferred it over into their names. He believes that they can surrender this annuity without any fees or penalties. My girlfriend would like to move her share of the money from this annuity to her Fidelity portfolio, which is comprised mostly of index-type funds. What are the questions that she should have prepared to ask the financial planner about exiting out of the annuity to make sure she understands the process and any potential fees or penalties. I'll look forward to your response. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Um, A flexible
1: premium deferred annuity is just like a single premium deferred annuity. It's an annuity. And annuities, unless they're immediate annuities, are all deferred until you start taking money out. And uh, the flexible premium just means he made payments over time as opposed to making a single Premium payment up front, putting a lump sum in the annuity, um, and if you listen regularly, and I think you do, you know that we're just not great fans of annuities. Uh, they do offer tax deferral, which is nice for monies outside of a retirement plan, which it sounds like this is. But they they earn not a lot. He probably got a decent rate on this, and I don't know what it was, but it would. Be, you know, the questions would be. the questions would be, so what rate do I get going forward if I keep this? And uh, if I get it out, um, what would my tax liability be? Because there will be tax liability. You're going to have to pay taxes on all the deferred income if you take it out. But that's okay because at some point you've got to pay taxes uh, and, and what he's going to say is you don't have to pay those if you annuitize, but then that's giving all the money to the insurance company and taking a lifetime income from it. Uh, I think the best move for the long term future and the control of this money is probably paying the taxes or maybe slowly paying the taxes, t- t- taking money out over time and getting it into the the potentially more lucrative fidelity portfolio that she has. Again, not knowing the details. Thank you so much for the question, and I wish her the best with this. Uh, Let's take another one.
3: Hi, Tom and Um, Don. I'm JJ from uh, Atlanta. I've been listening to your um, podcast last four plus years, and you guys are awesome. Thank you for all the service you do for the community. And um, although I are maybe... 2% 2% to 5% things which i don't agree with what you say but i guess um, you know you guys don't mean harm and you know we can all uh, you know agree to disagree right so uh, i had a quick question um, you know if i may ask um, i and my spouse uh, we can't max out our 401k we are in our late 40s um, what i have been doing also is that uh, almost every month been moving Close to maybe 2,500 uh, to 3,000 in, into our uh, brokerage accounts. And um, I had a lot of hot, 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 hot itis But after listening to you both, I have been so, you know, like it's it's a waste of time to, you know, have individual stocks. But some of the hot itis was not because of my, like I had given to some financial um, advisor, very famous, very big company and they messed up my whole portfolio by creating. I don't know what kind of balancing they were trying to, they created multiple, like uh, they balance based on stocks. Like, so I am, I, for example, I might have one stock of Amazon, one stock of this. So I'm trying to recover from that. I fired them three years ago and I'm trying to recover from that. Um, of late, I've been uh, selling a lot of these small, small positions and, uh, uh, moving them to um, uh, index funds, ETFs. Uh, coming back to the question, um, what I've been doing is I move around $2,500, 3000 every month uh, from our savings to the brokerage account. And I've been purchasing either VTI or VT, mainly focused on VTI and VT uh, uh, ETFs. But the challenge I'm seeing last month, month and a half is that vti and vt all these etfs are at the peak so i'm not sure like should i still buy it i know it's market like i don't want to do market timing but what is the way like it will always fall down right so i don't want to be buying at peak i don't know actually i just need your honest you know just uh, please bear with me and i uh, just need your honest advice if uh that's the right uh, strategy, or I just still continue dollar cost averaging and buy at whatever price uh, when I'm ready, when I'm buying slow. So, for example, today, if I'm ready, like if I want to spend 2500 um I buy it at the cr- current price, and the next month it might, I might get it lower. So, just wanted your advice. So, I have like close to 10 k in cash sitting in the brokerage accounts, not doing anything because. Maybe I'm trying to market time and trying to get it at a lower price. Um, Would appreciate if you could, uh, you know, uh, answer my question. Thank you. And uh, thank you. And you guys are so hilarious. Uh, And the the band, the friendly band you both share. And uh, so so it's it's such a, I'm addicted to your podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Yes,
1: JJ, you are trying to market time. Welcome to being a human being. (laughs) We all think we know things. And we look at a price, and if it's gone up for a while, we go, oh, that's got to be the peak. It can't go any higher. It's going to go down. I should wait. I'll wait until it goes down. And then it goes higher. And then you go, oh, I was sure it was going to go down. Now what do I do? Oh, it went a little higher. Okay, I'm just going to start putting money back in again. Then it goes down. You go, oh, I should have waited. You can't play this game. You're doing the right thing. You're just naturally doing it. As you earn money, you're putting money away on a regular basis no matter what the market's doing. That's good. That's great. That's what you should be doing. Don't stop. Don't put cash aside and go, I'm going to wait because you won't know. You let's. What's the number? Let's say the market goes down 10%. Now, everybody's scared. Everybody's saying, well, this is really terrible. We're going to go into a terrible market for a long time. Do you wait? But what if you wait and it starts going back up and it doesn't stop and it goes past where it was before? When do you get in? You can't play this game with yourself. It's a dangerous game. It's bad for your health and it's bad for your wealth. Bad, 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 bad. The other thing is, I'm going to guess Fisher. Fisher Investments? You said it was a big name. I'm, I'm guessing because you said a, a hodgepodge. Uh, yeah, they, they do build hodgepodge portfolios because they're trying to predict which stocks are going to be hotted, which will not. Uh, and you learn that doesn't work. And you know market timing, you know market timing doesn't work. And yet your brain will will not stop telling you that you know the future. Our brains are dangerous. <laughs> they're good, but they're dangerous. So just keep averaging in. That's the way you earn money. That's the way you should invest it unless you have it all in one big lump sum and then you just put it all in because guess what? The market has gone up far more than it's gone down. And when you think about that totally logically, it kind of has to be that way, doesn't it? It has to go higher overall because if it went lower overall, if it went down more than it went up, well, carry that to its logical conclusion. That's zero can't have a zero value for a global economy in any scenario short of an apocalypse. And in an apocalypse, you won't care about money. Thank you so much, JJ. Appreciate the call. And let's do just one more. Hello, Tom and Don. This
4: is John in California. My wife and I are both 64 and retired. We are planning on taking Social Security at age 70 We have approximately 3.2 million overall. Uh, Broken down, that's 2.6 million in IRAs, 150,000 in two Roths and an HSA, 300,000 in brokerage accounts for legacy purposes, and 150,000 in an annuity that we are drawing from and should run out in 2024. We started our careers in 1981, and we were told to save in this new thing called a 401k. Luckily, unluckily, we made too much to participate in Roths when they came along. Our respective companies did not offer Roth 401ks when they became a thing. And we found out along the way, no one ever told us to plan for RMDs and Medicare surcharge taxes, IRMAs, until just recently. The newest retirement craze seems to be minimizing taxes while in retirement by escalating Roth conversions prior to starting Social Security and RMDs, age 73 for us. Basically, bite the bullet for a few years Uh, Going into higher tax brackets and paying higher IRMA surcharges, but lower your overall lifetime taxes by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, One guy I listen to um, is charging $9,000 for the first analysis. Uh, Not sure how much all the subsequent ones might be. Anyways, what have you heard or seen on this subject? And what is your advice on this financial option? Thank you very much. I appreciate
1: what you guys do. Here's the problem. This equation you're looking to create requires a certain amount of future prediction like everything else. Uh, Now, we can guess, but we can't accurately predict. And $9,000 for an analysis of your tax situation? Wow. He's taking advantage. Uh, That seems really steep. Anyway, uh, what this comes down to a really, really simple formula. Will you be in a higher tax bracket in retirement than you are today? That's it. Are you going to be paying more in taxes in retirement than you are today? Will you be taking out as much money from your retirement portfolio as you are earning an in income today? If the answer is yes, then a steady Roth conversion plan probably makes sense, particularly when you add in nasty little Irma. However, many of us, I, I've done the number, and I truly expect to be in a lower bracket in retirement. Uh, and I'm perfectly content with that. I—I, uh, I, You know, a lot of the money I make goes into investments. Well, some of the money I make is not going to be going into investments anymore once I retire. So you just, it's a guessing game to some extent. If you think your tax bill is going to be higher in the future, then get get busy and start gradually transferring stuff over to Roths. But if you don't, then don't. However, maybe the best thing to do is both. Have both kinds of accounts and just bite the bullet on the taxes. Nobody likes paying them, but it's a necessary evil And you can plan for it. That's the thing, is that you can kind of plan for it, knowing you can't know the future. Thanks so much for the question. Thank you all for all the great questions. I really appreciate them. And if you get the chance, tell a friend or two about the podcast, because we're really trying to help everybody we can. The other thing is, you can call us live every Saturday with your questions at 855 935 Talk between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So just call us 855 935 8255, noon to 2 Pacific, 3 to 5 Eastern for our Saturday show, Talking Real Money. And again, thanks so much for being a part of what we do. We're glad you're there. We hope you have a, a great new year that we are now into. And uh, remember, Tom and I are here. Almost every day, talking real money.
5: The opinions and views expressed in this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions.
2: Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is
5: made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations, which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor.
2: Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's
5: fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA, Appella Wealth is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund
3: quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.